So maybe a first question would be, give us a state of just your tribe. Madison has just been designated in December, Truax Field, as the home of F-35A. Doctor, can you start? Give us an overview. On Saturday, hundreds of thousands of deer hunters will pull on their blaze orange and go into the woods for Wisconsin's uh, Wisconsin tradition, the Wisconsin uh, gun deer hunt. Uh, Eric Loebner, he is the Wildlife Management Bureau Director for the Wisconsin DNR, has joined us to preview the, this year's hunt. Eric, welcome to Wisconsin Eye. Hey, Steve, thanks for having me. It's uh, certainly an exciting time of the year if you're a wildlife biologist, there's no <laughs> doubt about that. And I think not only for us, but for many citizens around the state. It's quite a tradition, isn't it? It's part of our culture, our fabric, our society. Isn't that the truth? You know, I think about that. Um, I look back very fondly with uh, memories from when I started hunting. And, you know, it was all about the camaraderie of the experience, right? It's where people come together um, to enjoy our nature, what we have here in Wisconsin, um, get together, talk about, connect. Um, just, you know, it's, it's such an opportunity for people of all ages to blend together, whether your goal is to put protein on the table, whether your goal is to harvest that big buck you've been seeing, whether it's just to get outside and enjoy nature, this is the time of the year to do it. Well, give us an over, overview of our Wisconsin deer herd. I know that how we count them has been debated over decades, but uh, how do you feel about our deer herd? Are we 2 million plus, or is there any valid way to give it a, give, give a good number, sir? Yeah, so generally I'd say the population is doing pretty well um, across the state. I will say there are places in the state where the deer herd is not where we would like it to be. It's a little bit lower. Um, specifically, you know, we're looking at forest, um, northern portion of Marinette and the northern portion of Econo counties this year have buck only seasons. So um, that kind of gives you an indication that maybe the population isn't quite where we wanted it to be. Um, and there are other areas of the state where I would say generally maybe the population is a little bit high, right? Uh, we're looking at trying to ultimately manage that herd. Um, our county deer advisory councils, I would say, have been doing just an absolutely tremendous job. And so if you're unfamiliar with those, um, those are groups from around the state that are local individuals from each county that work very closely in understanding all the, the what we call the metrics of our deer herd. You know, what's happening with uh, car kill deer, what's happening with ag damage, what's happening with our SAK model, what's it indicating, that sort of thing. Um, so generally it's, it is, um, the population is generally doing well, but I also wanna just make sure people understand that, yeah, you know, um, there's not a, a deer behind every tree and that um, certainly it's important to get out, do some scouting in advance and uh, really get to know what's happening out there in that place that uh, they so love and so enjoy hunting. Well, thanks to your agency, we've got numbers from the uh, number of deer registered during the last two years. And uh, in 2019, 160,700, that was down about 24, almost 25% from 2018. Um, what do you think was the reason for that drop? I, I, I know the hunt was later, but how big of a factor was that? Yeah, so that was a really good point. Um, you hit the nail on the head for part of the answer. Um, part of that answer being, it was the, we went from the earliest that the season could be to the latest that it could possibly be. And why that matters is deer movement is the highest during the rut time of the year. 
All right. And so the rut generally is, you know, it's occurring either side of that first week of November. Um, and that's pretty much the same every year. And that plays out where we can pretty much document that with when uh, we've been doing a number of studies, when we have peak fawn drop in the spring. And so we can walk that back and say, all right, this is clearly when the rut occurred. And so we went from a period where the season was the earliest during maybe that tail end of that rut yeah. to a period after that. So this year we are just basically one day earlier than that, right? And so, you know, it's going to be kind of interesting to see. Uh, I've been hearing a lot of rut activity occurring, um, really that first week of November, last week of October, lots of um, larger antlered buck, which is kind of a key indicator um, when they're getting harvested. So certainly, um, definitely that's a factor. The other thing that we played out, that played out last year, and it's just something to, to really be thinking about is, that opening weekend of the gun deer season last year, uh, depending on where you're at, it was a little bit of a bear, right? We had some conditions with exceptionally heavy snow. We also had some areas of the state with extremely high um, snow uh, rainfall. Yeah. And then throw in there, um, last year was also one of those years when ultimately corn harvest was uh, behind schedule. So to give you an idea, and this is our, you know, looking at a number of these different factors, um, to give you an idea, as of the first week of November, this year, our corn harvest was at about 78%. Now that was almost, what, two weeks ago? So I'm thinking that there was a lot more corn that's been harvested since then. So all of those factors come into play, as well as a deer population, you know, that, that is changing or has changed in different parts of the state. Okay. The, um, well, uh, just to pursue that, the most deer registered last year were in three counties, Marathon, Shano, and Wapaka. Uh, are those traditionally the leaders? And yeah. uh, uh, what's your sense of the deer, the deer count in those three counties? Yeah, definitely. Marathon County is one of those that almost always is at the top of the list. What they've got working for them, partially, is size right? The size it's the largest of the county, county in Wisconsin. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so invariably, you're going to see a high harvest there. There are parts of that county where the deer population is doing very, very well. And there are other parts where, eh, you know, it's not quite as good. Um, I will say I hunted Marathon County uh, first time this year uh, in quite a while. Um, I, I hunt generally in that central, what we call that tension zone. Um, that's where I grew up in that central part of the state. I wasn't never went north, north of the line, so to speak, to Marathon County, but I tried it this year and I did see a good number of deer. Now, again, don't want to say that that's consistent across that county. Wapaka, that's another one. Historically, it has really good populations of deer. Um, there's a good mix of ag in association with some forested cover, as well as, you know, marshes and that sort of thing where deer can find good cover. Well, I'm, I'm also intrigued by the number. The number of deer hunt, deer hunt licenses dropped, but uh, only 2%. We're talking 25% in the number of deer harvested, but only 2% drop in the number of licenses issued from 500, from 576,200 in 2018 to 564, 600 in 2019. Does that drop concern you? Do you think we'll see a similar drop this year, sir? Yeah, that, that drop always concerns us, um, both from an economic driver for the state, um, for an economic driver for conservation, 
um, for future consideration for how do we manage a herd with fewer numbers of hunters. The great thing that I can share though this year going into the season, um, and we've been seeing this play out with a lot of outdoor recreation based activities, whether you're talking about um, hiking, whether you're talking about biking, camping, all of those activities have seen an increase this year and the same is playing true with hunting. So this year, right now, we're at about a 12, 13% increase on archery license sales. And we are right now, um, I should say as of last week, Monday, we were at about a 9.5% increase in gun deer license sales. So, you know, this is a trend that plays out on a national scale, generally. Whenever there's a downturn in the economy, um, you generally see people picking up hunting or maybe taking more time to get out into the sport of hunting. And so right now I will say we're not 100% sure whether it's what we call our churn. So every year, certain number of hunters, for whatever reason, don't buy a license every year. And we call that churn. So I'm not sure if it's necessarily churn playing out or if we are seeing a significant increase in the number of new hunters. I don't have that data right ahead of me right now. Everybody's just scrambling to provide the best customer service we possibly can. But my suspicion is at the end of the day, once the season starts, that we are going to see an increase in the number of uh, hunters out there. Um, and that's great, right? We have a great opportunity for people to get out, uh, enjoy nature, um, you know, really uh, potentially we'll see what kind of impact it has on harvest rates as well. Well, um, you've been doing this for a while. Is there a generational change? Are baby boomers more interested in gun deer hunting than their sons and uh grandkids do you think well i can i'll just share in an, um, a personal situation that i think relates to this very very well um, i come from a, a larger family um, as i mentioned in central wisconsin and we grew up hunting right everybody does it everybody did it um, but now as i look at the younger generation my nieces and nephews there's um, certainly a much lower percentage of folks that are out there hunting so not only did we have um, baby boomers, which were a large segment of the population up until um, recently, they all got out and enjoyed hunting. Now they're aging out, if you want to call it that. They're, you know, maybe their body isn't holding up as well, or for whatever reason, they're they're not getting out and, and hunting as much as what they used to. So as a result, you see a downturn in that, right? Now I will say we are also seeing a rather uh, marked increase in people, um, whether they're you know, 20, 30, 40s, picking up um, the sport of hunting and getting into it. And again, their reasons vary. Their reasons vary from, hey, I, I, this whole thing I've heard about hunting and the camaraderie of the experience, I wanna try that. Or you know what, that tradition that I've heard about, that camaraderie, that experience, um, I wanna be a part of that. And so we're starting to see a bit of that as well as this whole um, concept of local grown protein sources, right? You can't hardly get more organic or more locally grown than utilizing a wildlife population, great, healthy, humane resource out on the landscape that you can then tap into and put on your table. And people are really um, starting to get into that more and more every day. And it, it is a great opportunity to try something new, experience nature, be a part of nature, not just a casual observer, but to be a part of what happens in nature. That's a fascinating trend, Eric. Let's pursue it a little bit. Do you think you're seeing more interest by um, 20 and 30 year old women in, in, in hunting in the state of Wisconsin? 
There is no doubt that um, women more and more are getting into the sport of hunting, whether they are younger um, kids, you know, more of your typical, you know, 10 to 15 year olds, um, as well as older age bracket, um, whether you say 20, 30, somewhere in that grouping where people are just, females in particular, are interested in getting out and enjoying um, this time, this thing that they hear about to be a part of that. And so definitely we are seeing an increase in that, in that age group. What about the impact of COVID? Let me ask it. And, oh. and, um, I know that's a big dimension to this. So let me ask it first. Do you think more people will not um, use the traditional deer camp experience? They'll get up in the morning, they'll go out, hunt by themselves and come in and go back home. Or do you think there, there still be the popular deer camps where three, four or five people get up early, hunt, hunt all day, come back and maybe have a beer or two and, uh, and tell, tell some tall stories. Mm. Steve, really good question. Um, I'll tell you this, you know, this is a unique year. Um, it might be that year and I would strongly encourage people to think twice about maybe their more traditional deer camp. Um, I know for me, I, I mean, to even say that, to have that come out of my mouth is just like blasphemy almost. Right. Yeah. But we are in unprecedented times. And um, certainly this is something to be thinking about is COVID and how do you mitigate COVID so that you're not yourself getting sick or inadvertently spreading the disease to other people. And so what we've been sharing um, across the agency is that this is the year to maybe think about trying something new, all right? To think about maybe how you approach deer camp to really caution people from you know getting together in a small, um, what I typically say small hunting camp um, think twice about that. Um, maybe it's a time to stick closer to home. We really strongly encourage people to hunt within their local communities. And we've got a lot of great opportunities to help facilitate that opportunity. Um, one thing that I, I like to share, share regularly and promote is our Hunt Wild app. Great app that was pulled together about three-ish years ago that provides hunters with this great opportunity right at their fingertips. They can download it for free on their smartphone and it has all the public land across the entire state. So no matter where you live, you can look it up and find that information and maybe find a new spot that you might wanna go out and, and, and check out. Time's running short, right? You should be out there already looking and scouting, but still the opportunity presents itself. The other thing that I would share for people who are really, you know, they're really just want to be a part of this, um, this tradition and their traditional hunting camp is if your camp is close to home, um, maybe just drive up there for the day and hunt with your partners, uh, your, the people that you've hunted with, your family and friends, hunt with them. But, you know, think about staying in your own vehicle. Don't stay overnight. Just go up there for the day and come back. Um, probably want to not think about um, not maybe playing cards as much as what you used to because you are passing cards around. Um, certainly that's an area that can spread. Um, at a bare minimum, certainly wear a mask anytime you're in, um, you know, close to within six feet of people. Maintain a six foot so social distance, you know, whether you're um, you're around your hunting partner, or even if you're out on a on a public piece of public land and you're interacting with somebody on a trail, you're meeting them. Give them six foot. You know, just kind of step step to the side and let people pass. Um, and then also, like I said, really try to avoid that close contact with people outside of your household. And then be sure to wash your hands. Maybe take a little um, hand disinfectant wipe or hands uh, lotion with you or something like that, just to really try to prevent that spread. 
it really, um, it's very easy when you think about, oh, I'm going to be out in nature. I'm going to be out enjoying my time in the woods. Nothing better. But it's easy to let your guard down. Um, and when you let that guard down, that is also a time when, unfortunately, you could get sick. And if you're sick, you're not going to be able to be enjoying that um, time out in nature as well. So think about how you can offset these risks and reduce that spread. Um, it's really, really important. Right now it's surging um, across the state. And so think about how can I take steps to keep myself as well as um, my family members safe and healthy. Boy, that's a pretty significant change just in one year, isn't it, Eric, in terms of your advice to stay safe, hunt, hunt, but stay safe, right? Isn't that the truth? We're, we really, you know, thinking, encouraging people to get out and enjoy this opportunity. I mean, you know, you think about how long um, this has been going on, right? We've had this coronavirus that we've been really working closely to manage since back March, February, March, right? right. And so just thinking about that, I get it. People want to get out, they want to enjoy, but you still need to be safe. Now, this is a year, you know, you, you just sort of touched on it. This is a year when, you know, normally we would talk about tree stand safety, right? Wear a harness, always be thinking about three points of contact as you're climbing up into your deer stand. Make sure your stand is safe before climbing up into it. Think about tab K, you know, treat every gun as if it was loaded. Always point your muzzle in a safe direction. Be sure of your target and what is beyond and keep your finger off the trigger, uh, out of the trigger guard until you're ready to shoot. This year's safety message goes much beyond that. Um, right. And critically important, but it goes beyond that. The agency also last week put out an advisory don't put your stand in ash trees because they may they may collapse. I don't I don't know if you saw that or not, but don't put them up in ash trees. Well, certainly I'll tell you, this is what we're all, the major spread of emerald ash borer that moved through the state was two or three years old or two, two or three years past or if not longer, depending on where you're at. And so there is a risk, regardless of whether it's an ash tree or whether it's another dead tree. Um, although those trees can look healthy, right? Um, they're also a risk and you need to really think twice about that. Are there any changes in deer hunt rules and regs that uh, our hunters should be aware of? And tell us about the ant, ant, antlerless season. Excuse me, I, I, I mispronounced that. Yeah, no problem. So, you know, it's always important as we're, we've been really managing and really wor working to manage the herd locally. Um, so as a result of that, there's no real significant changes, but I would also encourage people to make sure that they look at our, our season structure map that shows where is there a holiday hunt? Where is there the extended archery season? Um, because those different opportunities um, will play out if you're if you're hunting these other seasons, right? We have our traditional nine day, you know, again, that's a statewide season. That's pretty much your norm. Um, some units have some um, bonus antlerless harvest authorizations left. Go online, check it out. You can buy them through our Go Wild system for sure. Check it out. There's lots of, uh, like I said, there's lots of opportunities there, but not every unit has them. Um, most, most units in the farmland zones have a, um, analyst tag or more than one included with your license. So just be aware of what analyst tags you have. Um, you have to select at the time of purchase the county as well as the land type, whether it's public or private land. And so just be aware of what you have in your back pocket. And if you're like me and you hunt in maybe the intersection of three different uh, counties on both public and private land, you just gotta, you gotta know what you have in your back pocket and just be conscious of that. Um, I have a follow-up question on COVID-19 that I should have asked when we were talking about that. 
Has COVID-19 been detected in any of our white-tailed deer, Eric? We have not, no. Um, there has been um, some mink ranches here in the state that have- Especially Taylor County, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, very much a concerning issue. Um, and we're watching and monitoring that very, very closely, not only here in the US, you know, because Wisconsin is the um, second largest mink producing state in the nation. So we are the highest mink producing state in the nation, but we've been watching very closely um, what's been developing in Denmark. Uh, Denmark is the highest producing mink um, furs in the country, or I'm sorry, in the in the world. In the world, yeah. 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 Um, tell us about the changes with CWD and the warnings now. Have the, uh, have the number of counties with warnings been expanded and what's your advice for hunters in this season, sir? Yeah, so that's another really important thing for people to be thinking about. Um, not only this year, we expanded our opportunities for people to have their animal tested, but we have also expanded the opportunities for people to um, have dumpsters and to dispose of their deer carcass. After they've um, boned it all out, they can dispose of it into these, um, these dumpsters. Great, great partnerships have developed. I, I just can't talk highly enough of all of the conservation groups around the state and different groups that have come forward and helped adopt these dumpsters. This year, we continue on our statewide, we call it our statewide sweep of CWD sampling. And so what we've been trying to do is basically take a look at the state uh, on a regular basis, just to make sure we still have a, a relatively good grasp of where the disease exists or does not exist on the landscape. And so this year, we are, focusing on an area over in the northeastern part of the state. So it runs all the way from Marinette uh, County all the way down to Sheboygan, Fond du Lac County, the Green Bay area, what we call our northeast district, all the way out to Ashera, uh, Marquette County. Those are the, those are, that's the general area where we're really focused on this year to get additional samples. Um, first time that we're launching our, our um, statewide sweep out there. We are also doing uh, surveillance up in the Northern District. There are a number of counties up there where we did not meet our overall goal to have a, a high enough confidence interval to make sure that we indeed um, would have detected the disease if it was there. And so again, we are sampling up in a number of those counties, you know, looking at Ashland, Bayfield, uh, Sawyer, Rusk, uh, Taylor, Barron counties, looking at that area in general to try and just again, try to get enough samples and then you know, clearly our southern part of the state, what we call our endemic area, pretty much our southern district, as well as that up to that, that main Wisconsin River Valley, uh, looking at Marathon, Wood, Portage, uh, Juneau and Adams counties as well. We have a, a number of positives that have shown up in that area. And then lastly, around any sort of known um, CWD positive facilities um, on, on the landscape, as well as those, what I call those far flung CWD positive animals um, out there. So along those lines, um, we've done something else this year and it, it was simply um, planned. We wouldn't, didn't plan it because of the COVID outbreak, but this year we launched a new CWD automation uh, process. So another great opportunity for people to submit their data. So historically people would go to a, a CWD sampling kiosk. Again, they're spread around the state. People can find them on the DNR website, but they'd have to fill out these paper forms. Well, now we have a new for a new process. It's all done electronically where a hunter, when they get their email um, confirming their registration of their animal, in that email, there is a link to the CWD um, automation form and they can do it all electronically. It's most of the data is pre-populated based on their registration, but then they can also 
drop a pin, they'll have a map that will show up and they'll be able to zoom in to where that deer was harvested and they can drop a pin rather than having to look it up on a map. So not only does it help the hunter um, save them the hassle of having to look it up on a map, but it also allows them the time to be, they don't have to be right at a kiosk and be at a surface where everybody else has been touching it. It also helps control and reduce that risk of um, spreading the coronavirus. Well, is DNR's recommendation then any hunter that harvests a deer, that deer should be tested for CWD, Eric? Um, you, know, you know, we're generally recommending any adult deer, um, certainly within the areas of the state that we're really trying to get our samples, again, in the Northeast, Northern, Southern, um, Central River Valley. And we're really encouraging people to get their deer tested. Um, we're standing at the ready to ultimately help meet their needs and their interests, as well as the department has some strong needs and interests in helping us understand it. And so hunters have a, have a knack, right, for stepping up and being a part of the solutions and helping to identify and work through conservation issues. And CWD is really um, an example of where that occurs as well. People are generally pretty receptive to getting their deer tested. They themselves wanna know because of whether it's the World Health Organization and their recommendations to not eat a CWD positive deer, agency continues to carry that message forward as well. Um, and so really we're looking at that and really trying to not only work the science on this one and help to understand where the disease is, but also trying to provide good customer service to the hunting public. I will say um, we've been working hard this year, staying on top of our what we call our testing turnaround time. Um, Depending on what happens, if we have any sort of outbreaks in, in COVID positive staff, we may have a, a slight delay. Last year, we were right around 10 days um, turnaround time from a time that somebody submitted their sample to the time that um, they got their test results back. We may see a little bit of a, of a extension in that this year, depending on what happens with um, our staff, if we have any sort of um, outbreaks in our staffing suite. Has DNR had uh, a number of uh, uh, COVID positives in, in its staff, Eric? Yeah, yeah, we have, just like everywhere else in the state. Um, we've had staff at different times and different locations um, that have had CW, uh, been COVID positive. And so as a result, um, you know, quarantining and then we're shifting staff around to try and cover that, that workload. And it's been um, like everywhere else, right? It's been one of those unknowns that you've got to react to a lot of different workforces, just trying to juggle what staff are in, what staff are out, um, and then just juggle to it as it develops. Well, it sounds like in summary, um, please hunt, Enjoy the hunt, but hunt more safely than ever in terms of COVID, Eric? Yep, absolutely. Be wise. Be wise. Um, think about it. Don't let your guard down. Get out. Enjoy nature. It's great for the mind, body, and soul. It can put protein on your table. It can also just be good for your soul to be out in that stand and get out there and enjoy it, but, but be smart and don't let your guard down. Well, without giving away your favorite spot, which county are you going to be in <laughs> oh, on Saturday? Steve, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You're asking me a secret question. I'll I'll say it's going to be Northern Wood County. Northern Wood County. Okay. Yep. Thank you. Yep. Thank you very much, Eric Globner. Eric Globner is a Wildlife Management Bureau Director for the Wisconsin DNR. We're previewing the hunt that begins Saturday, lasts for nine days. Right, Eric? You bet. You bet. Hope to see most of you out there. Okay. Good luck. Good luck, and stay safe. Hey, thanks. Thank you. Eric, thank you. you this program is a production of Wisconsin Eye, an independent, nonpartisan, nonprofit media network with a mission to inform, educate, and engage the citizens of Wisconsin. 
Wisconsinite is the nation's first and only independently funded state civics broadcast network, providing gavel-to-gavel access to government proceedings and events at the state capitol. 